Many people say they believe in God, but do you believe in Jesus? Many Christians say they believe in Jesus, and yet they burn themselves out trying to be more like Jesus. Did you know that God is not interested in you trying to be more like Jesus? He's got a better way. That way is Jesus. Revolutionary and life-transforming truth coming up next on Daily in Christ. Welcome once again to the Daily in Christ podcast. I'm Mark Van Oos. I'm sure you've had situations like this in your walk with the Lord, as I have experienced, where you go to a passage of Scripture you've read many times before, but the Holy Spirit begins to open up new dimensions. Well, I don't know if I should say it's new dimensions, but a deeper understanding a deeper revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. That happened to me the other day, earlier in the week, when I was in John chapter 14, verse 1, where Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. And it was the last part of that verse that absolutely jumped out at me. Believe also in me me. Now, this is one of those messages that is powerful, but you need to follow along very carefully. Try to remove any kind of distractions you may be facing. And it's extremely important to uh, go to the Holy Spirit right now and ask for him to enlighten our study, enlighten this time in his word to reveal Christ. We always pray at the beginning and end of these Daily in Christ podcasts. Why do I do that? Because if we were to understand this only with human understanding, we would miss it. If we don't go to the Lord of the Word, we will never be able to understand fully the Word of the Lord. So let's do that right now. Father, Lord, let you be glorified. Let Christ be glorified. And Father, I pray that as we are in this word, your word, Lord, that you would bring to us a deeper revelation of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just about him, Lord, but Lord, help us to gain a greater sense that Jesus himself is the way the means by which you get anything done. Whether that is in the creation of galaxies or in our lives, manifesting godliness. Father, I pray that you would grant unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. And Lord, I thank you that as we experience that, the eyes of our heart, of our understanding is enlightened that we may know the hope of our calling. What are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of your power, your ability toward us who believe? Like the working of your mighty strength, which you worked in Christ when you raised him from the dead, seating him above all principality and power and might and dominion and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is the fullness of him who fills all in all. Amen. At the dawn of creation, God 
made man, and by extension, woman, right? He did it in his image and according to his likeness. We read about that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Humanity was as much like God as God intended. Why? Because God had created them that way. It had nothing to do with anything that Adam and Eve did to be more like God. And that was a wonderful condition, a wonderful state. But then horrible disaster struck. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 5, Satan comes to the woman and says, For God knows that in the day you eat of it, speaking of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. That's in Genesis 3, 5. Now put these two thoughts, lay them side by side together. On the one hand, Genesis 1, 26, that says that God made the man and by extension the woman in his image and according to his likeness. That's in Genesis 1, 26. So Adam and Eve were already as much like God as God had intended them. And the reason, and I know I'm repeating what I said a moment ago, but this is important to get, God had created them that way. And then Satan comes along with this different thought, a diabolical thought, a deception that had them entertain the notion that they could be like God without God. They could be like God without God. Eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And we know the consequence of that. It was disastrous. And we're still dealing with that to this very day in the world. Now, when Satan was telling Eve this, and by extension, Adam That in the day that they eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. That was an echo of Lucifer's, who became Satan, fall. Where he said, and this is recorded in Isaiah 14, 14, I will make myself like the Most High. I want you to grab a hold of that. I will make myself like the Most High. That was at the epicenter of the fall of the archangel who was known as Lucifer, the shining one, who became Satan. Eve fell for this, and Adam rebelled when they disobeyed God and ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because they bought the lie that somehow they could become more like God based on what they did. And ever since, fallen man has been trying to make himself like the Most High. And then, then comes Jesus, the perfect Son of Man and the perfect Son of God. As it says in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, So Christ in his humanity was that image, 
Notice back in Genesis 1.26, God said, we will make man in our likeness and image and according to our image. And then over here in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, it says that Jesus himself, who being the brightness of God's glory and the express image of his person, that's key. This one, Jesus, came as the perfect son of God and perfect son of man. Now, turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. John chapter 14, beginning in verse 1, and I alluded to this at the beginning of this lesson. Jesus is in the upper room, and he's speaking to his disciples, and he says this, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. As I mentioned, I was reading John chapter 1 in these verses earlier in the week, and I was so struck by in John chapter 14, verse 1, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Many of us know that part, right? Let not your heart be troubled. It's words of encouragement from the master. But I was so struck by his words in the same verse where he says, you believe in God, believe also in me. You know, I think we can kind of meld these things together. You believe in God, believe also in me and saying, yeah, that's the same thing. Technically, it's really not the same. Now, Jesus is, of course, God. He's fully son of God. But we When we say we believe in God, that's one thing. But do you believe in Jesus? Let me put a little context into John chapter 14. Just before this passage, the Lord Jesus is speaking and He is telling them that he's going to be suffering. He's going to be betrayed. He's going to be uh, given up. He's going to be leaving. And in John chapter 13, verse 36, it says this, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterwards. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. It sounds laudable. You know, a lot of, I've heard messages where people are critical of Peter, and I think that's really not fair to Peter. Peter was sincere. He said, I will lay down my life for your sake. That was not an exaggeration. He really meant that. But listen to what Jesus says. Jesus answered him and said, Will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three 
times. In another gospel, a parallel account of this passage of of this event, the Lord also added that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You see, Peter really did want to, he didn't want to see the Lord suffer and he didn't want to see him die. And, and, and he was willing to lay down his life. I don't doubt that for a moment. But Peter, with his fallen thinking like we all have, and it goes back to the fall in the garden, when our first parents believed the lie that they could be like God without God, that same thinking infects us and infects, infected Peter. And really betrayed him because the Lord could see right through him and say, you know what? (laughs) Not only are you not going to lay down your life for me, Peter, you are actually going to deny me. Not just once, but three times. Listen to me. The Bible is not a story of heroes. The Bible is not about a bunch of people who are so courageous and so strong and so mighty for the Lord. No, the Bible is centered upon God himself, his greatness, his almightiness, his tremendous ability, his power. And by contrast is man who is weak. And we tend to, to look at people like Abraham or David or, you know, you fill in whoever and say, oh, wow, mighty men of God. They were people who sought after God, but they were weak. We as creatures are weak. It is only the creator who is strong and mighty. All of us have this tendency through fallen thinking. Now, if you are born again in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are a new creation. You're no longer a sinner. That's clear teaching in the Bible. I talk about that. But you still have a brain that needs to be reprogrammed, as it says in uh, Romans chapter 12, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, here we have the words of Jesus in John 14, 1, where he says to his disciples and by extension to us, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Believe also in me. We believe in God, but do we believe in God? Jesus. At least subconsciously, we have a tendency to brush Jesus aside. You say, wait a minute, Mark, I I don't do that. What are you talking about? What I was just speaking of a moment ago, that the fallen mind gravitates not toward God, but toward self. It's easy to believe in God, maybe in sort of a nebulous sort of way. But then when it comes to the actual carrying out of things, getting things done, we turn to self. But see, God's plan isn't a better you. God's plan is a better savior. God's incredibly brilliant plan 
is Jesus, perfect Son of God and perfect Son of Man. Jesus was and is the perfect man. He is 100% God, Son of God, and Jesus is 100% man. He is perfect deity and perfect humanity. Colossians 1.15 to 18 says this, speaking of Jesus, he is the image, there it is again, of the invisible God. He is the image. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or power, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him, all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. Now in these Verses, Colossians 1, 15 to 18, we see with strength Jesus as Son of God. We see the deity of him, where it says that all things that were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, no matter what was created through the Lord Jesus Christ and for him. That's not speaking of Christ's humanity. It's speaking of his deity and that he is before all things and in all things and all things in him, all things consist. That speaks of his deity, son of God. But then when it says that he is the firstborn over all creation, that refers to his humanity. Deity isn't born, isn't created. Deity doesn't even come into existence. God has always existed, pre-existed, beyond time, eternal But when it says firstborn, that's our clue that we're speaking of the humanity of Christ. Do get a hold of this. In the person of the Lord Jesus Christ is perfect, full divinity, God, and perfect, full humanity. You say, okay, yeah, Mark, I, 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 I believe that. I'm a Christian. I believe that. Yeah, I see that in the Bible. What is that? What's the connection point? Watch this. We go through life seeking to be the better man, right? We want to be more patient. We want to be more kind. We want to be more wise. We want to uh, do righteous things. We want to be godly. Those are all good things. And so we have this picture in our mind of being the perfect man or perfect Woman. Now, I don't mean perfect like God is perfect, but perfect in the sense of all that God means for you. And so we're not there, right? And we've got this notion that, well, someday I'll be like that, but I'm not there, but I'm getting closer and closer and closer. But I want you to understand that's fallen thinking. It's fallen thinking when we look to ourselves to become somehow that perfect man or perfect woman. That is wrong. The perfect man is the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Jesus perfectly does the Father's will from the heart. Listen to this in John 8, 29. Jesus is speaking and he says this, And he who sent me, speaking of the Father, is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do the things that please him. John 8, 29. How about this in John 6, 38? Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And over in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 7, and this is a quotation of Psalm 40, verse 8. Jesus is speaking and says this, Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. Hebrews 10, 7. See, Jesus is that perfect man. You say, all right, yeah, yeah, Mark, I, I see that in the scripture, that's true, but, but I'm not getting it. What, how does that connect with me? Jesus and not me is the way in which the God the Father gets things done. Let me say that again. It's so important to get this. Jesus, not me, not me trying harder, struggling harder, striving to be more like Jesus. Remember the great diabolical lie from Lucifer who became Satan? I will make myself like the Most High. And the lie that he passed on to Eve and then to Adam, where he said, well, you know what? If you eat of this tree, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. In other words, you become like God based on what you do. Wrong. We are like God because of something that God does. And namely, God the Father does all through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We just read in Colossians that the Father did his creating through the Son. Do you know that the Son also is the one who will be doing the judging at the end of the age? That's right. Jesus said that the Father has entrusted all judgment to him. Even the Father in judging does it through the Son. Do you know that the Father speaks through the Son? That's what it says in Hebrews chapter 1. Jesus also said in John 5, it is not me who is speaking, but the Father speaking through me. See, the avenue, what's the word I'm looking for? The means by which the Father gets something done is not through you. It's through Jesus. Here's the connecting point. Jesus is God the Father's way, truth, and life. Back to John chapter 14. Jesus is talking to his disciples. And in verse 5, Thomas says to Jesus, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus says something terrifically revolutionary. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Did you get it? Suddenly, to the disciples that were listening and had an ear to hear, they realized that the way was not a technique. The way wasn't a teaching. The way wasn't even a special teacher. 
the way was and is Jesus himself. The way is Jesus himself. Remember what I said just a few minutes ago. The Father does nothing except through the Son. Now, let me ask you a question. How do you become more godly, more righteous? It is not based on what you do. If God the Father carries out what he intends to do only through his Son, who are you to think that you're going to do anything for God through yourself? If God the Father does everything through the Son, who are you to think that you're going to get anything done for God? No. God's means for righteousness and holiness and godliness and sanctification in our lives hasn't changed. That means is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. You see, Thomas did not, like us, did not know the way. And so he and we asked the question, how, right? Our fallen mind says, give me the directions and I'll I'll follow them. Or give me a technique and I'll do it. No, 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 no. That's fallen thinking. Jesus revealed himself as the way. Himself. You know, the early church were known as those who were the followers of the way. That's seen in several, five different verses over in Acts. They were known as the way. That's because they recognized that Jesus is the way. So you see, Jesus and not me, not my trying, not my struggling, not my striving, not even my Bible study or my prayer or my fasting or my evangelism or my witnessing or my cleaning up my life or or me doing the right things. No, Jesus, not me, is indeed the way that God the Father gets things done and gets things done in your life and my life. That's why Jesus says in John 14, 1, believe also in me. You may have a person who believes in God. They're not an atheist. They believe that God exists, but they don't believe in Jesus. They tend to look at things like, well, yeah, I know that God exists, but, um, If God were to say to me, what right do I have to get into his heaven? I I suppose that uh, I've been a good person. I haven't murdered anybody. I I suppose, uh, you know, I've been good enough. I haven't stolen, at least not a lot. And, And we go on along that line. Oh, I know unsaved people do that. But you know what? Believers do the same thing. They talk about striving to be more like Jesus. No, God doesn't want you to be more like Jesus. Believer, you have Jesus. That's why the Bible in the New Testament 677 times uses the language of faith, not strive. Faith, believe, trust, hope. 
The Christian life is Christ himself. And believer, he's inside of you. All the wisdom you could ever dream of lives inside of you. How can the one who is the builder of the universe not be wise? If you have him, you have that wisdom. You say you need righteousness. Is not Jesus Christ the king of righteousness? That's what it says in Hebrews chapter 7. Do you need healing? Jesus is the healer. How can you have him and not have healing? Watch this over in 1 John chapter 5. If you can, you got a Bible that's handy, and I trust you do when you're uh, listening into these lessons. 1 John chapter 5, and we're going to go to verse 11. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in the Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. Do you see that? You see, it says, first of all, that God has given us eternal life. Now, eternal life is the dynamic of life that's the God dynamic. It's not only full of life and making alive, it is also that which brings healing and righteousness and holiness and sanctification and goodness and righteousness, all of that. God, 1 John chapter 5, verse 11, God has given us, has given us, has given us, has given us eternal life. He has. And this life is in his son. So God has put all of eternal life, invested it in his son. Therefore, verse 12, he who has the son has life. How can you have Jesus, who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life? John 14, 6, or he said before the tomb of Lazarus, John chapter 11, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. How can you have the son and not have the life? He who has the son has the life. He who does not have the son does not have life. That's over in 1 John chapter 5, 11 and 12. Let's go back to our text here in John chapter 14. Some may claim to believe in God and that will not save them, right? It is believing in Jesus that saves us. Not a believe about, inferring a general sense, but believing in Jesus. Our faith is in Christ and what who he is, as we said over and over again in in our study in Hebrews, in the perfection of his person and in the perfection of his perfect finished work. That makes a big difference, a huge difference. Believing in Jesus, not about Jesus, but in Jesus. That implies personal faith. You know, I may believe in general that having a good and I'm, I'm using an example here, that having good financial advice and management is a good idea. But such an idea will never benefit me. I'll take it a little bit further. I may believe that a certain financial manager is good and competent. 
but that won't benefit me. However, if I don't believe in that financial manager and let that financial manager take charge of my finances, then I will receive no benefit from his ability to manage finances well. It's a close analogy, but it isn't perfect because we're dealing with something infinitely better, and that is Almighty God living inside of you through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is the nexus between divinity and humanity, and that's critical. Because of that, his divinity and his humanity are merged in union with my humanity. Oh, we're still distinct. I'm not becoming God. Thank God for that. But he has got inside of me and through me. See, just like I may generally believe that God does take care of me, and I may even believe about Jesus that he is good. However, if I don't believe in Jesus and let him be the way, the truth, and the life in me, actually, he is all that. But if I don't have faith in that, trust in that, look to him, then I will receive no benefit. Just like a person who is unsaved, they may hear about Jesus, they may believe about Jesus, but unless they personally says what who he is and what he has done for me is sufficient. It's not based on what I do or have done. It's based upon him, who he is and what he has done. You know, so many times we see the glory of God. We see what the fruit of righteousness is. And then we look to self to pull it off. We fall into the trap of that ancient lie from Satan himself. Isaiah 14, 14. I will make myself like the most high. No, a thousand times no. Jesus is the way that God gets things done. It's the way that he gets things done in creating the whole created order. It's the way that he gets done in getting things done in you, in your life, being more righteous, being more holy, more goodness, more of everything. He is the way. Jesus is the way. You see, we need life. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. John eleven twenty five and John fourteen six. We need a way out of the misery of our sinful lives. Listen, Jesus is the victor. Jesus is the overcomer. He is the way, the truth, and the life. You see, the way of victory is not another new book. The way of victory isn't even a podcast. The way of victory is a person. And it's not you. It's him. Isn't this brilliant? Isn't this incredible? You see, we spend our lives thinking, oh, if I could just be better here or, or just get this, oh, I need a better teaching or, or I need that. And, and look, I'm a teacher of the word of God. I understand the importance of teaching. But you know what? Teaching will not do it. Jesus is the one who is the Father's way. All of the Father's creating was done through His Son, Jesus. Colossians 1.16, For by Him 
all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him, by means of him and for him. And then in Hebrews chapter one, verse two, it says, uh, God has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. So Jesus says in John 14, one, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Believe in me. Listen, God, the Father, Jesus is saying these words to you, believer. I want you to take whatever it is you're dealing with in your life. If you're struggling with sin or if you're falling short, if you're frustrated by certain things, you're thinking, oh Lord, is there? can there possibly be any more good in my life? You already have him. He is your good. He is your righteousness. He is your holiness and your redemption. That's scriptural, you know. First Corinthians one thirty says this, Of God are ye in Christ, who has been made unto us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, let him who glories glory in the Lord. First Corinthians chapter 1, verses 30 and 31. This is where repentance and true saving faith comes in. First of all, biblically, repentance means to change your mind. And repentance at its core is this. It is the repudiation and rejection of the sinful notion that the way that God gets done is through me, what I do, embracing the reality and embracing, this is the repentance, right? We go from that wrong thinking that it's me and embracing the reality that Jesus is the way. You know, speaking of repentance, it's not just turning from, it's turning toward. It's turning from the lie and the deception and turning toward God and his truth. Repentance at its core is the utter rejection of any notion that I am the way, the truth, and the life. I know, believer, you're saying, oh, I don't believe that. You'd be really surprised Next time you're under the gun, next time you're under pressure, next time you need to get something done, I guarantee you, you'll probably find yourself looking to yourself and going, yeah, I can do that. Oh, no, I can't do that. And you get stressed. That's that fallen thinking. And repentance, real repentance is the utter rejection of any notion that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And 180 degree repentance the embracing of the reality that Jesus alone is the way, the truth, and the life. Repentance is the total rejection that God expects me to do it. And it's 180 degree turn to the truth, the embracing of Jesus who has done it all. Repentance is the forsaking of any thought that I am the perfect man or that I have to become a perfect man. And 180 degree turn, the embracing of Jesus as our perfect man. That's that's real repentance. 
Now let's talk about true saving faith. It's this. Believing in the one, Jesus, who is indeed the perfect son of God and perfect son of man. Believing not about him, believing in him. Just think about, again, think about that area of your life where you are falling short. Forsake the attitude, I need to clean up my act. I need to stop doing that. I need to, I need to become better. No, that's of the devil. Instead, embrace the reality and the totality of God the Father's means and way. And that is Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you have made Jesus unto me righteousness. Are you impatient? Guess what? The fruit of the Spirit is patience. (laughs) Not the fruit of you. The fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, living inside, manifesting the life of Christ. You need more gentleness? Don't study how to become a more gentle person or read books about gentle people. No. Look to Jesus, who is infinitely gentle, who lives inside of you, and trust him to live through you as you. I know this is radical stuff, and that's why I hope you'll listen to this message several times over and and pray. And I'm not saying that to be vain. It, It takes several applications of truth to finally start to get this. True saving faith is believing in the one Jesus, who is indeed the perfect son of God and perfect son of man. True saving faith is believing that the means that God the Father gets things done in me is not me, but Jesus. The way that God the Father means to get something done in and through my life is not in and through me. It's in and through Jesus living in me. True saving faith is believing that Jesus always does the will of the Father in and through me. Colossians 1.27, wonderful verse says this, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. <laughs> True saving faith is this, believing that God the Father has made Jesus unto me wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. 1 Corinthians one thirty. You know, that thought right there is at the, the cornerstone of my teaching series called Living in the Reality of Perfect Sanctification. And through that series, on one hand, I totally discombobulate the unscriptural notion that uh, sanctification is somehow imperfect in this life. And I continually proclaim the reality that Christ is our sanctification. He is not imperfect. And so our sanctification is not imperfect. God the Father has made Jesus unto me wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. This is what glorifies God. Believing that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that the way is not an it 
or procedure or method, but the way is a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the life is not like electricity or that I plug into the wall and you get energized. It's not like the force of Star Wars. No, the life is a person. And as it says over there in First John chapter 5, 11 and 12, you have him and you have the life. You don't have Jesus. You don't have the life. It's believing that Jesus is this for me. Christ living in me, through me, as me, is what brings all of the righteousness manifested out in right behavior, right thinking and everything else. Everything I could possibly need in life is in eternal life the life dimension of God, and that eternal life is in the Son. And I have the Son. And Father, I rest my heart in faith in saying, Father, Jesus is more than enough. Thank you so much that the perfect man, you don't want me to be the perfect man, Father. No, no, no. Jesus is the perfect man and he's living inside me. So Lord, I'm going to rest and let him live it out through me. Do you believe it? That's why our hearts don't need to be troubled, as Jesus says in John 14, 1. You believe in God, believe also in me. 1 Corinthians 1, 30, believing that God the Father has made Jesus unto us. Jesus is wisdom from God. Jesus is righteousness from God. Jesus is sanctification from God. And Jesus is redemption from God. God. And this ultimately, that's in 1 Corinthians 1.30. This is what glorifies God. The verse right before 1 Corinthians 1.30 says this, that no flesh should glory in his presence. And do you know what the verse after 1 Corinthians 1.30 says? Verse 31, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Sandwiched in all that is the reality and the totality that God the Father in his brilliance has made his son Jesus perfect God, perfect son of man unto me, my infinite source of wisdom, my infinite source of righteousness, my infinite source of sanctification, and my infinite source of of redemption. Friend, this is radical stuff. It's taken a while for the Lord to get this through my thinking and my understanding. And even in the course of a day-to-day living, I find myself and the Holy Spirit will sort of tap me on the shoulder and say, okay there, son, you're having difficulty. You're getting stressed out because you're looking to yourself and you're going, not enough. Ah, no, 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 son. Jesus is inside of you and he's more than enough. Oh, praise God for that thought, that reality, that totality. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Now, friend, let's not rely upon our human understanding to get this. Let's return 
to the Lord of the Word, now that we have been in the Word of the Lord. Father, thank you that we can call you Father. And Father, you never meant for us to live life as orphans without. No. Jesus said in John 14, I go that I may send another. (laughs) And the Holy Spirit is the one that manifests the person in the life of Christ, not on the outside of us, but inside of us, Christ in us, in me, in you, the hope of glory. Thank you, Father, for your brilliance. Thank you for the wonderfulness of this. And again, Lord, we humbly realize that with human understanding, we won't get this. Lord, I thank you that we're not stuck with our own human understanding and human wisdom and human knowledge. No, Father, you've given us the Holy Spirit, the one who has inspired the Word of God and the one who lights things up, lights up the revelation, lights up the illumination that we may know you. Thank you, Father, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. In his name we pray, amen. Now, listening friend, we're going to be embarking in a series that's coming up called You Are Absolutely Not Under Law. It's critical though, and I think it's cool how the Father has led this uh, teaching here today. As we've just come off Hebrews and we're going into this other series that's uh, pretty pretty, uh, significant, and I think it'll be revolutionary for more than one listener that we have this message that just gets our attention on the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 6, verse 14 says this, Sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. You see, the center of law is you. The center of grace is Jesus. We're going to get much more into that coming up next time and for the next several podcasts to come. Thanks so much for joining us today for the Daily in Christ podcast. If this podcast is a blessing to you, would you please share it with a few good friends? Let them know that they can feed at the Word of God, hear the Word of Grace at dailyinchrist.org. Dailyinchrist.org. Don't forget that this podcast is available through the iTunes store. Just uh, uh, look it up. Daily in Christ. If you go to the Daily in Christ podcast, uh, I'm sorry, Daily in Christ website, dailyinchrist.org, there's a page there that tells you how you can listen to it on your mobile device. That's at dailyinchrist.org.